0: He's going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you will see him. I saw Jesus, and that's what he told me to tell you. I know, I know, we thought he was dead. He was dead. I watched him die. I watched Joseph take his body down from the cross and carry it to a tomb. And I, I saw Joseph roll a great stone in front of the door of that tomb. So what happened this morning, what I, what I saw and what I heard this morning, I can't explain. But then there, there are a lot of things about Jesus I can't explain, like how and why he brought me back to life. Seems a long time ago now. It was really just two years ago when I met Jesus. At the time, I was hurting too much to even care. You may remember Mary Magdalene, the woman with the seven demons. I was consumed. I was consumed by hate and rage and shame and and fear. Life was hell. I didn't want to live. But I had a friend who insisted that I did. She cared for me when I couldn't care for myself. And when Jesus came to our town, she took me to see him. I didn't want to go. I fought her all the way. But she was strong, and she gathered other women to help her, and before I knew it, I was standing there face to face with Jesus. What did I want with that man? I hated men. All the men I ever knew had only abused or judged me. I was ready to spit on him. When suddenly, his eyes silenced me. They were quiet, gentle eyes. And he broke through that hard, brittle shell and saw the festering wounds beneath. And then he spoke. He said, Mary, ever so gently, Mary, be free. I don't understand what happened next. But that hard brittle shell that had been protecting me, it it cracked. And the pain began to ooze out and then pour out and then there was no stopping it till it was all gone. I was limp. I was drained. But I was free of those demons that had kept me chained. I didn't know what to say. Jesus responded, Follow me. And I did. I followed him that day and the next day and all throughout Galilee as he traveled from village to village. I joined a group of women and we gathered our resources and we made it our job to provide for Jesus along the way. <laughs> Those were good days. Those were exhilarating days. I, I love to hear Jesus teach and, and tell stories. And he would often talk about something called the kingdom of God. People would crowd around from all over, coming to hear him teach and to be healed. I often wondered how he could take it. All those people around him all the time. It, it, It must have been exhausting. But you know, those constant crowds were the least of his worries. He had some enemies, like the religious leaders in our community, They didn't like him at all because he broke their rules. I mean, he healed people on the Sabbath, and he hung around with all the wrong people, people like me. And then there were the zealots. Those are the revolutionaries who wanted to overthrow the government. Well, I think they started out liking him, but they got impatient. They wanted him to bring in that kingdom that he was always talking about yesterday and by force if necessary. And if that wasn't enough, there was tension. There was a lot of tension within Jesus' own ranks. I mean, you would not believe how many times those chosen 12 disciples ended up fighting over who was the greatest or who was going to sit at Jesus' right-hand They they grumbled at children, and they they questioned his judgment, and they complained when things didn't go the way they thought they should. And these were Jesus' right-hand men. It must have been really discouraging. And I can see now that all this was leading up to what happened this week. It's funny, I would never have guessed that given how the week began that it would end the way that it did. We've been traveling mostly in Galilee, but in the last few weeks it became clear that Jesus was headed to Jerusalem. And as we got closer to Jerusalem, the crowds got thicker and and there was expectation building and something big was going to happen, you could just tell. And when Jesus finally did get to Jerusalem... The crowds went wild. They started chanting, here is the king, come to save us. And they were waving palm branches and laying their coats out on the road in front of him. And I think, I think the authorities were a little afraid there might be a riot. I myself didn't know what to think. There was so much, so much excitement in the air. It was contagious. But I also noticed that Jesus seemed sad. He seemed subdued, like like he knew something that the rest of us didn't. And looking back on it now, I think I understand what it was. Everyone thought that this was the victory march for their new king. But Jesus somehow knew that what lay ahead was not glory. What lay ahead would be the most agonizing days of his life. And sure enough, no sooner did he get into Jerusalem that the trouble began. And first, there was this, this scuffle in the temple. He, he marched right in there, and he confronted the money lenders and the vendors, and he knocked over their tables. Ugh, it was an Ugly scene. I wanted to warn him. I wanted to say, Jesus, be careful. You do not know what this is going to mean. But I think he did know what it was going to mean. After that, things went from bad to worse. The religious leaders kept after him. They were kept trying to trap him into saying something that they could construe as, as blasphemy. It just seemed like they were anxious to find any little excuse they could to do away with him. And Jesus knew what was going on. Four nights ago, when Jesus was eating the Passover supper with his disciples, he turned to them and he said, one of you is going to betray me. You could have heard a pin drop. And then all of us said, no, no, not me. No, it couldn't be me. Jesus simply said, you know who you are. Then he took bread and he broke it and he said that this was his Body broken for us. And then he took a cup of wine and he said that, that this was his blood poured out for us. He was trying to tell us that he was going to die. His disciples didn't want to believe it, they did not want to hear it. And I didn't want to believe it either. But deep down inside, I knew he was right. And sure enough, that night, they came and they arrested him. They were cowards. They came at night when there were no crowds there to protect him. And wouldn't you know it, it was one of his own. It was Judas who led the authorities straight to him. I wasn't there when they took him away, but when I found out that he was in custody, I ran to the house of the high priest where he was being held, and I I waited around on the outside of the courtyard, just waiting and watching, trying desperately to see what was going on. Much of that night is a blur in my memory. I remember hearing loud voices come from that house, angry voices Taunting voices, accusing voices. And I remember the guards sitting out in the courtyard taking bets about how all this was going to end. At one point, I realized that Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, was sitting out in that courtyard too, but kind of off to the side, like, like he didn't want to be noticed but it turns out someone did notice him and they recognized him as being one of Jesus' followers. What Peter did next, I suppose, is understandable, but it, it still hurts me to talk about it. He denied. He outright denied that he knew Jesus. He denied that Jesus was his friend. When morning finally came, the chief priests and the elders came out of the house with Jesus, their prisoner, in tow. He was bound, his clothing was torn and disheveled, his, his eyes were sad and, and weary. When I saw that they were taking him to Pilate, the governor, I, I knew this was serious business. But what charges could they have against him? I mean, he'd done nothing wrong. He was a good man, a man of integrity and, and compassion. He used his power to heal people and to bring them back to life. And then it hit me. This good man was a threat to the power and the authority of those religious leaders. They hated him and they would stop at nothing to destroy him. So they took him to Pilate. Oh, Pilate, Pilate was no fool. He could see right through these trumped up charges. But unfortunately, he could not see his way to act with integrity. Even though he saw that there was no reason to hold Jesus, he bowed to the, rep- to the pressure of these religious leaders and handed him over to them to be executed. I, I could not believe this was happening. How could they be so bent on snuffing out the life of a man who had brought life to so many? I was angry. I was outraged. I was desperate. But there was nothing I could do. I felt so helpless. So I did the one thing that I could do. I stayed with him. I watched as they lashed him 40 times across the back. I watched as they stripped him and put on a scarlet robe and put a a crown made out of thorns on his head so that they could mock him. Hail, King of the Jews. I watched as they insulted him and spit on him and pounded that thorns crown of thorns into his head. I watched as they made him try to drag that heavy wooden cross up the hill to where he was going to be killed. I watched him collapse under its weight. I watched them pound nails into his hands and into his feet and raise him up on that cross and let him hang there to die. And there he hung in agonizing pain, a public spectacle for all to see and jeer. I could hardly stand to watch it, but I couldn't leave Jesus had been with me in my time of need. I couldn't rescue him from that awful place. But I could stay with him in his time of need. When I thought that I could bear it no longer, I saw a group of women in the distance approaching me, and they were my friends. They were women who had followed together with me, followed Jesus together. And when I saw them, I ran to them, and we held each other, and we cried together, and together we were able to do it. Together we were able to stay with Jesus and watch him die. He died at about 3 o'clock that afternoon. Even after that, we stayed. We needed to see what would happen to his body. We feared the worst that his body would be dumped and devoured by wild animals. That's what often happened to people who were crucified. So we were relieved when we saw Joseph, a man from Arimathea, who was a friend of Jesus' We were relieved when we saw him arrive that evening and begin to take Jesus' body down from the cross. We weren't sure what he was going to do with the body, but we knew that he was Jesus' friend, and that gave us hope. But not blind hope. We were determined to keep watch, to see that Jesus' body was well cared for. So my friend Mary and I followed Joseph and his followers as they carried the body away. We followed them to a tomb, to a new tomb hewn in rock. And we watched as they carried the body inside and wrapped it in linen cloths and laid it gently to rest. And we watched as he came out of the tomb and rolled a huge stone over the door. And we watched them leave. And Mary and I vowed that we would come back just as soon as the Sabbath was over to continue our vigil at the tomb. So at the crack of dawn on the day after the Sabbath, Mary and I went back to the tomb. (laughs) I can't tell you how hard it was to go back. I wanted so much just to pretend that this whole thing had never happened. To forget those days in Galilee. Forget the cross. Forget the tomb. But I couldn't forget. I couldn't pretend that it never happened because here I was, evidence that it, it had happened. Because of Jesus, I was no longer the same. He had given me life when I was all but dead. So I would go to the tomb to remember and to mourn our loss. When we got there, We found guards at the tomb, keeping their own vigil. I guess they were afraid that someone was going to come back to steal the body. But before they could bother us, the earth began to to tremble. And suddenly, suddenly there was a man standing there, surrounded by this brilliant light. We were terrified, but not as terrified as the guards who fell over in a dead faint The man, I guess he was an angel, he spoke to us. He told us not to be afraid, that he knew we were looking for Jesus who had been crucified. And then he said something that made no sense at all He said, He isn't here, He has been raised from the dead. Well, we were numb. We we just weren't getting it. So he led us inside the tomb, and sure enough, he was right. Jesus was not there. We stood there, amazed, frightened, but before we had a chance to speak, he said, Now listen, I have a message for you that you're supposed to take back to the disciples. The message is this. Listen up. Jesus has been raised from the dead. He is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will meet him there. Got it? Now go. Whoa. I didn't know if I could believe what I was hearing. I mean, was this really happening, or was I dreaming? I know that stress can do weird things to people's minds, I looked at Mary and I could tell by the look on her face that she had heard the same thing. So we left the tomb at once, running with this news when suddenly, suddenly standing in front of us was Jesus. I couldn't move. Then it began to sink in. It was true. Jesus was alive. We fell to the ground. We, we grabbed on to him, totally bewildered, but oh, so happy. Then Jesus spoke with us. He repeated the message of the angel. We need not be afraid. Rather, we should go and tell the disciples to go to Galilee where they would see him again. Then it hit me. (laughs) Jesus was entrusting us to mere women, women who were not allowed to testify in court because everyone knows that women cannot be believed. Jesus was entrusting us with this unbelievable good news. Jesus was counting on us to carry his message to people who needed to hear it. So here I am. You are his disciples. I know that the events of this past week have been awful, truly awful. But I'm here to tell you that what we thought what we thought was the end of the story isn't the end at all. Jesus isn't dead. He is alive. And he is with us. The story goes on. And don't you see, Jesus, Jesus wants us to join that story. You, you need not be afraid. The story will have a happy ending. Because this is a story where life is more powerful than death and where love is more powerful than hate. It's a story where there is pain. Oh, yes, there is pain. But where pain is transformed and healed. Well, I've told you the story as best as I know it. Now you, you go. Look for Jesus. He is alive and among us. When you find him, listen to him. Learn the story. Find your place in it. And then go. Go share that story with others. Peace. Peace be with you.